We have a new feature on the show this week. This week. Let me tell you about the new feature on the show. The show. New feature on the show. Oh, oh, oh. If you read the John Wilcock comic book, you got introduced to other scenes. Other scenes is an incredible counterculture, subversive, impressive <laughs> magazine from the 60s. He's, 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 he's. Probably among the, the top of the radical psychedelic magazines. Magazines from the 60s. But it had its own way of doing that. It was just a clever, clever magazine. Psychedelic magazines from the 60s. Find playful ways to drop content onto the front cover or whatever. Interior. And it matches John's personality perfectly. So the way that we're going to do this, the way I was thinking about it, is this is going to be a weekly part or a bi-weekly. Whenever I say the show is weekly, I really mean you know, bi-weekly or ideally bi-weekly. It just conversationally, it doesn't sound <laughs> very warm to say, see you in two weeks. That always sounds sad, you know? <laughs> But see you next week is positive. We're going to have a new week. We'll talk. So every week we have a new episode. There will be a few issues of other scenes included. These uh, issues have been out of print for over 50 years. And we have them all scanned in. And each issue will have PDF links. So you can get you know, a digital copy for free of each uh, issue of other scenes. And... This will be, to the best of our ability, the best years of other scenes, and that's and then uh, and that's going to give you most of it. And then there will be other special features added that match up with the book on John Wilcock, his comic book biography, John Wilcock, New York Years, 1974. I'm sorry, New York Years, 1954. To 1972 or 71. I can't even keep track of it. It's really just John Wilcock, New York years. <laughs> and I can't keep track of it because this guy did so damn much stuff. And it's just incomprehensible that he could, you know, be uh, sort of a catalyst for all these ideas. Having quite a cool cool magazine and to really understand that you have to read the magazine so I'm going to read the magazine with you this is going to serve as audio commentary in the archive for John Wilcox other scenes that'll be the plan is we will do that and I'm looking forward to it so this is the first installment I have a random idea of how to go about this This first installment of the John Wilcock Other Scenes Inventory will feature a excerpt from The Village Square, his collection of columns from The Village Voice, a reference item from the Texas Department of Public Safety, their narcotics service. This is a illustrated diagram of a drug abuser, useful information on how to spot a drug abuser amongst uh, 
your community. We also have a announcement from the Village Voice for the very first issue of Other Scenes, a full page ad that John put together. We have that here. It's from uh, the Village Voice, November 24th, 1966. We'll discuss it. And then we have a couple issues of other scenes that we'll go through. We'll go through issue number one, the Earth Rose Fuck Hate issue. And I believe issue number two, no, issue number three, because this is going to be a random sampling of issues. We're going to go through issue number three, titled The Scene. So that's what we got. So this is the second archive project that I've taken on, or really the third. The first project would be Comics with Problems, and that led to the Realist Archive. So those are the first two archives I've done. I have uh, the Realist Archive project, which I did with Paul Krasner, and that was a labor of love and also sort of like a uh, test to see what would happen to the internet if I put up the entire Realist issues in full. And the trickle-down effect was actually kind of interesting. It was a, a very uh, culture-breaking, culture-changing magazine or newspaper in the 60s and later in the 90s and kind of had a resurgence by putting up all the realist issues online. Similarly, I'm kind of curious what might happen if I do something, you know, almost identical to that with other scenes, which is John Wilcox's somewhat more visually daring, or certainly more visually daring, but also, you know, psychologically just as daring as uh, the realist. And when I say the internet was affected by putting up the realist issues, I'm actually sort of humbly suggesting that our greater culture was uh, affected by just putting up those scans of those images. There's a lot of implications, both positive and negative, that came from reintroducing the realist into the world. The negative would be Breitbart and other negative alt-right people sort of gripped onto the satire and the let's just tell a lie concept of the realist and very traceably like uh, Andrew Breitbart talked about you know the realist archive and other things and enjoying the work on it it did have an impact on fake news so I'm sorry about that but uh, there's a lot of positives that came from it in wider culture regarding uh, a resurgence of people discussing certain freedoms or just being candid and frank. And I don't mean Anne Frank. That's a realist joke. And other things and uh, challenging authority. So that was really cool. I can list a lot of really interesting anecdotes that came from... I put up uh, the realist from 2006 to 2010, I believe, or 2012 to 2008 or 2008, whatever, about a, about 10, to, 10 years ago. You can look up a coffee table book that Fanographics put out with me and Paul working on it that used scans from the archive for a collection of comics called The Realist Cartoons. That's from Fanographics, and I'm pretty proud of that book. And the one thing, though, is The Realist was pretty well known, you know, 
I uh, post spoken word with electronics on Boing Boing. Uh, my friends of Boing Boing, thank you very much. And uh, Mark Fraunfelder, uh, the founder of Boing Boing, was a subscriber of The Realist. A lot of people know about The Realist. Very few people know about other scenes. So reintroducing other scenes in a modern era is actually introducing other scenes to probably 95% of the people looking at it. But its readership was top shelf people <laughs> with top shelf ideas and it influenced everyone from uh, the Beatles on down. You know, one of the biggest supporters of other scenes was John Lennon, other people who also was an early influence on punk ideas. Uh, certainly one of the most forthright for sex and uh, drug freedom, other things. So when I'm talking about reintroducing other scenes, I'm actually talking about introducing other scenes 50 years after it was created, because maybe now the world is ready to look at these things. And that's how hot this stuff is. So uh, I just wanted to mention that this is not a reintroduction. This is not like a reissue series. This is a issue series. This is a let's let's all read other scenes together. This was John's paper. And when I'm referring to John Wilcock, I'm also you might be uh, familiar with my work in comics. I did a long biography of John Wilcock with Scott Marshall. We just uh, finished up the Kickstarter on it. The book exists. You can check out a copy, uh, you can buy a copy at ep.tc slash book, B-O-O-K, if you're not familiar with books. That's a joke. Of course you are. The comic is a biography of John. I worked with John for about 10 years to tell his story of co-founding the Village Voice and establishing the Underground Press Syndicate and a bunch of other wild, wild stuff. The more I got into John's life, the more I learned about John, and it was just amazing. You know, these multiple lives that he kind of lives over, and it sounds exaggerated, and I don't mean it to be. But I, uh, but if you read the comic, it, you know, you'll see what I'm talking about. And the comic also promised in the book that there would be special features. And that's because in corresponding with John near the end of his life, he shared a lot of documents with me and I have his collection of other scenes here which I would like to go through it's it's as I think close to a comprehensive collection of other scenes as is available there's no real numbering consistent through issues you know it's not like oh I have issue 14 16 17 Where's 18 or 12 or something? It's like, it's more like there's three three issues that came out in March of 67, then nothing for two months, then the volume number changes and the numbering changes. And it's just sort of like this weird, it's hard to describe, but the format changes also. All these things change. So it's very difficult to get a comprehensive checklist of other scenes. The, uh, the reason for this, why we don't have every issue, is because John was a traveling man and he traveled with a number of uh, things and he also left things in storage. And at one point in the 70s or so, he put every issue that he had of other scenes in storage in a chest. 
and somebody stole that chest. But we got a lot of these issues. These are John's personal copies, not his backups, not his stupid stolen backups. Thief, thief, thief. So I can't make the promise that I made with uh, the realist that this will be every single issue, but it's gonna be damn near close to a lot of issues. <laughs> a number of them. So I thought uh, the best way to do this is to offer an audio commentary track, which is this. And every episode of Smoke and Morbid with Electronics, I will just sort of go into the box, discuss an item or two, three or four, and that'll be this track. For one thing, I should say the Realist Archive is uh, easily found at ep.tc slash realist. And the Other Scenes Archive, wait for it, is just as easy to find, ep.tc slash other scenes. I'm also going to set up a, a shortcut URL that's even shorter, ep.tc slash os. Every post will have a PDF link to the actual issue, and then I'll have other, uh, other extras. This is also called the Other Scenes Inventory Report. And that was a uh, pretty long introduction there. Sorry about that. Future uh, ones of these will not have <laughs> 10 or 15 minutes of me talking about things I'm about to do. They'll just jump right into the goods. And so uh, right at the beginning, we did tell you some of the material that we would be covering this week. And I've got, how many do I have? Four pieces of paper? I do. One of these pieces of paper is according to the world, the world at large of uh, document buyers worth a ton of money. It's the first issue of Other Scenes, the pink issue. But I thought a fun way to open these up would be a excerpt each time from the Village Square, which is kind of a misnomer. I wouldn't call John Wilcock a square at all, but that was his title for his column in the Village Voice, which is one of the earliest things to ever appear in the Voice. He, of course, co-founded the Village Voice and, by my assessment, taught the other people how to put a paper together because he was the only reporter in the group at the time. So I have a very nice hardcover bound copy which you can still get called The Village Square by John Wilcock. Copyright 1961, but this is probably 1954 that he wrote this. I'll open up the archive with this. Oh, the good old paper of old books. It's like a really stiff newsprint. And it asks, how many times has New York buried its bohemians? And it's a short history of Greenwich Village, 1927 to 1960. So this uh, actually has to be 1960, not one of the 1954 columns, but it ends with an interesting, ominous statement. There's still a magic in Greenwich Village. This is John Wilcock writing. There's still a magic in Greenwich Village, a strong atmosphere of creativity and a perverse pride among its inhabitants. Those who return after many years and can no longer find the magic might well consider that they have taken it with them. The village, like any abandoned lover, can also offer bitterness. I like that. Give up on the city, the city gives up on you. Next up, we have 
a visual aid. This is a uh, just a additional item, a reference item that was in the other materials for other scenes. This never, uh, to my knowledge, has been included in any other scenes materials, but it's part of John's collection of stuff, and it's wonderful. It is a diagram of a drug abuser, and it is uh, referenced Texas Department of Public Safety Narcotics Service. So uh, it's good to see that it's uh, back in Texas. I'm in Austin. But it is a picture of a strung out, messed up kid in the 60s with sort of a shaggy uh, hair and a face that just looks pummeled. It's a chart that shows all the things to determine whether or not somebody is a drug abuser. And so uh, here I'll just go through them and I, I ask you, are you a drug abuser? Sunglasses. That's a sign of uh, LSD. Have you lost weight recently? It points to the stomach and says, loss of weight. That's clearly heroin. Are you one of those uh, lip lickers? Because it says if you've been constantly licking your lips, well, then you, uh, you are an amphetamine addict. Uh, here's a COVID one. Do you have a running nose? Well, the, uh, the answer here, according to the chart, is you might be addicted to heroin or a user of morphine or codeine. What about uh, you software developers uh, staring at a screen all day? Are your eyes red or watered? Redness and watering of eyes. That's clearly a sign of glue sniffing. What about your nostrils? Do you play with your nostrils? Are they red and raw? I hate to tell you, but you've been sniffing cocaine. And uh, this one's kind of kind of fun because uh, sometimes people just have skin conditions, <laughs> but <laughs> or they're shy. But uh, do you are do you know people who have uh, long sleeves, almost constantly wearing long sleeves? Uh, very obviously, they are heroin addicts. Uh, this is to hide the needle quote tracks. They say in quotes, and it's heroin or methadrine. Nice. Uh, no, uh, no Texas sympathy for any kinds of, uh, nerve issues like Parkinson's or whatever, because if you have, uh, hand tremors, any tremor of the hands, you're dealing with an amphetamine addict. And then finally, any single person you see in the world that might be staggering or disoriented, they just have a little, uh, line pointing to the leg. It says staggering or disoriented. That is a barbiturates issue. Barbiturates. Uh, you know, uh, uh the dolls, the good stuff. Uh, anyway, so that's funny. So this is a diagram of a drug abuser, and you'll find this in the other scenes report. Number one, pretty damn fun. So I guess if somebody were to put the outfit together, how to get the look? You want some LSD sunglasses, you want a uh, heroin, uh, emaciated stomach, uh, no chapstick, you wanna keep on licking those lips uh, for the amphetamines, running nose, that's a heroin. Uh, eyes of water, that's glue sniffing. Nostrils of snot, that's sniffing cocaine. Or actually red raw nostrils. But uh, stinky body, that's amphetamines. And long sleeves, it's not modesty, it's heroin. And the hand tremors, that's amphetamines. And any kind of barbiturates, or as they called back then, barbiturates, back in the 60s, that tell on that is staggering or disorientation. It's a fun item that's included in the archive. Very cool item now. This is also a Village Voice piece. 
You gotta check out the illustration of the drug addict. I love him. But this is a full page ad that John took out in the Village Voice. He uh, was, things didn't end well with him and the Village Voice. So I think he probably paid for this ad or they might've given him a free ad, but it's a full page ad. Village Voice, November 24th, 1966, page 21, if you're curious. And it says, announcing other scenes. And this is probably ad copy that John wrote. For the past 15 years, John Wilcock has studied what we now call, quote, the underground. He has visited 30 countries and lived and worked in half a dozen. One of the original staff of the Village Voice, for which he wrote a weekly column until early 1966, he's recently been editing the East Village Other. And so there's a lot of interesting infighting here because the East Village Other kind of pounded the uh, Village Voice. Just it was such a better paper for uh, for radicals and undergrounds and stuff. But this is this is fun. So it says John Wilcox other scenes and it basically just describes what it's going to be with a subscription coupon. It'll contain of course his famous column with news of the avant-garde and sympathetic and sometimes cynical comments on art, politics, pornography, religion, pot, sociology, and humor. That's John's, uh, by the way, his mix. Like that was his decision that every solid publication has, I think like five of those seven, or if it's really a great issue, it's got every single one of those things addressed. And his view of pornography was different than our current view. A lack of guilt regarding sex is what uh, pornography would be described as. Not explicit, you know, bang bangs. In addition, other scenes will not waste its reader's time covering yesterday whenever it can offer instead the news of tomorrow. So I think it's kind of funny that now we're talking about yesterday, but it's other scenes. But a very cool item. I recommend uh, looking at the full picture here. So it shows John on the phone. I told you John was on the phone. I told you. Uh, hold on, let me just sell that joke. I told you John was on the phone. I told you John was on the phone. It's, uh, it's always good to have a phone. And so that is a very cool full page ad. And finally, man, have you waited. I now have, for the first time out of its protective sheath, the very first issue of Other Scenes and Hot Dog. So I was wondering whether or not I wanted to lead with this just because the cover is so hostile, but it's wonderful. It's the Earth Rose two-word poem that John republished. This is a two-word poem that got confiscated by uh, the California police, I believe. So most of those copies just got destroyed. And so John found this two-word poem and its censorship to be uh, offensive. So he reproduced it as the front cover for other scenes. You, you can get the story on that in the, uh, the comic itself on the other scenes issue with Frank Zappa holding an issue of other scenes there. The two-word cover is fuck hate. That's F-U-C-K-H-A-T-E. And we live in a world where, where fuck has uh, won. And so we don't really understand the implications of fuck as a crime, actually just saying it. But basically the two word poem could either be fuck and hate or fuck hate, you know, 
but that is a crime to actually print that back then. And so Paul Krasner also had Fuck Communism as a poster, which was a conflation of two words or two terms. And so basically it was sort of like, is this an anti-communist poster or <laughs> fucking communist? Uh, we don't live in a world where we understand, I do not even understand the, uh, the world of fuck phobia. But there was a lot of fuck phobia in 1967 and quite daring to lead off his very first issue of other scenes in an action that could have destroyed every copy. And there might've been a lot of copies that did not make it. So I have in my hand here, one of the, one of the remaining ones. And you'll get a nice scanned copy when you go to it. It is small pink paper folded, eight pages. Let's just go through it really quick, but you have the scans and the PDF on, in the archive. John opens up saying, other scenes, and this is an introduction to the reader. He says, this newsletter grew largely out of frustrated ambitions. For some years now, it has been my feeling, strengthened by constant foreign travel, that the world is ready for an international hippie newspaper. It would be a newspaper that had as much appeal to the artistic, creative, aware community in New York as in Amsterdam, in Tokyo, or Acapulco, in Stockholm, or San Francisco. So basically he's declaring what the internet, this is like a thesis statement for other scenes, is that it would be an international paper. And it's a great, great little read here, the, the opening scene. No single copy of this newsletter will ever be sold. I'll be happy to print it. He actually <laughs> changed that. Uh, basically, at the time, you were supposed to just buy a subscription. He did end up having a newsstand issue. But he would exchange uh, uh, subscriptions with the editor of any magazine, newspaper, newsletter in the world, whatever the price. And here's his statement on the Earth Rose poem that I described. The Earth Rose came out for only one issue with its batch of poems, Charles Bukowski, John Buckner, and editor Steve Richmond. Within days, Richmond, 25, that's his age, and three of his friends were arrested for distributing pornography for writing Fuck Hate. You know, we probably wear like Fuck Hate shirts to the mall now. The first bust came in the, on the UCLA campus, whose morality guardians alerted police in Santa Monica where Richard's store was located, and that was Earth Books and Galleries. And the police confiscated several other publications in his store, but only got two copies of the Earth Rose, <laughs> half of whose 10,000 press run had already been given away or sold. Well, that's good, I, I'm happy to hear that. So the police were wanting to destroy it, but they foiled. It's like a bad episode of Hill Street Blues there. Richmond, whose case comes up in late February, has 5,000 copies left. Oh, this is very cool. So there we go. So John, John is uh, letting that be known that you can buy some fuck eights. So I had it partly wrong. I haven't opened this copy up in a long time. Fuck hate, fuck hate. Then we've got uh, the importance of Tim Leary, a very cool little uh, early pro acid piece written by John. A coverage of the human being, which had just happened. And then it ends with uh, some Tijuana Bible images. John really likes uh, funny sex comics. And he goes here, one of the rare specimens of the publisher's art is the Tijuana Bible, sometimes known as the Mexican fuck book. Although some, like the one shown, were printed 20 years ago, and even then sold for as much as $1, they can still be found floating around Southern California. Moon Mullins and Popeye seem to be having the most sex 
And we get some examples there. And finally, the first issue of Other Scenes concludes with this information on how to behave at a sex party. This is uh, four steps, four, four things to do at the orgy. San Francisco's League for Sexual Freedom gets a lot of publicity for its activities. But the truth is that people who attend the parties have until recently comprised a pretty small number of friends and acquaintances. The San Francisco League's magazine, however, now feels it is necessary to lay down a few rules for various uncool elements who turn up at the gatherings. Here's a couple of pro-orgy rules. Number one, do, do, D-O, do, take off your clothes. If you have not taken off your clothes before with a group, it will feel strange for about five minutes. Then you'll realize that everyone else is nude as well. God has not stricken you down for your immodesty, and you'll begin to feel less awkward. And they say, dancing nude is not an experience to be missed. Rule number two, do be open, do. These are all do's, with the one don't, there's one don't. Well, we'll hit the don't, but the do, do be open to other people at the party. The SFL plays by a different set of rules than the cocktail set. Rules based on openness and warmth towards one another, rather than cool, in quotes, defensiveness. So just be open to it. You're naked, you're dancing, how you doing? Number three, do be civil. League party rules aren't that underlined different than the rest of society. Uninvited laying on of hands, that's all hyphenated, for instance, so just going up and groping somebody, can be thrown out. So the league might take it upon themselves to throw you out. The same holds true of uninvited voyeurism. Oh, I'd be in trouble because I'm more of a voyeur than an orgy dancer. I might just be sitting there naked in a chair. I might be I'm never nuding it in a chair at the orgy, just watching people, and apparently I can't do that. I mean, I can nude it up if it means that I could be a voyeur. I don't even know. But that's an interesting uh, catch-22 for me there. But it's okay. Probably don't need to know that about me, but the same holds true for uninvited voyeurism. I'm in trouble. Maybe you are too. Don't stand. Do not. This is the only don't. Don't stand and watch people who are intimately. <laughs> don't stand and watch people who are intimately involved in, with one another unless you've been invited. Such behavior is as much a violation as it is uninvited physical contact. So eyeballs are physical contact. And then one final do. Do have a swing and good time. Do or don't do whatever pleases you as long as you aren't causing unpleasantness to the people around you. So that's how to behave at a sex party from the first issue of Other Scenes. We have one remaining issue of Other Scenes here, which will be posted, and uh, that one is called The Scene, and that's issue number three. It's an interesting front photo of two people on a sort of mechanical... Device and it's full of full of columns. So I will leave you to that. And this is the other scenes inventory report. <laughs>